Are you looking for something fun to do with the kids at home that will keep them learning? The Washington Wizards Kids Club, presented by Giant, has really cool, free, printable activities available online at dcfamily.com slash kidsclub. Coloring books, math timetables, writing worksheets, word searches, and so much more are up now for you and your family to enjoy. Keep the kids entertained by checking it out now at dcfamily.com slash kidsclub. We welcome you to another edition of Full Court Press, along with Glenn Contra and Dave Johnson. We're pleased to be joined by columnist from the Washington Post, uh, Jerry Brewer. And, and so much to, to get to as, as we get together. Is, uh, I, I think it's important, as we've talked about in uh, various podcasts, it's so important to have discussion and, and talk, and, and talk that can also lead to, to meaningful action. And I, I picked up on a, a line in your, your recent uh, column, and it was written after the Washington Wizards and Washington Mystics had their a uh, very poignant march from Capital One Arena to the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Memorial uh, back on uh, Friday, uh, the 19th, uh, Juneteenth. And, and one of your lines, never a distraction for an athlete to be excellent, uh, conscious, and engaged. And in, I want to get some of your thoughts on that. And in some ways, that kind of reflects us, certainly what we've experienced from the Washington Wizards and, and Washington Mystics players. Yeah, I think uh, too often, because maybe it's the, the sexy or the edgy thing to do uh, in media, we, we like to, to really just get at the conflict of what's going on and, and not understand that it's part of a broader discussion that's quite responsible. Um, you know, we, we, we want to talk about, you know, whether it's Kyrie Irving or, or Dwight Howard or any other polarizing player in the league, um, some of the things that they're saying and, um call them a disruptor, you know, talk about them being divisive instead of just trying to really explore uh, what they're talking about. And I think too often people have kind of looked at this, um, uh, maybe it's because of what's going on with baseball that you kind of look at it and you're like, well, they're, they're trying to figure out whether to come back too. Well, they already have an agreement on on coming back. Um, The question isn't whether to come back, although some players have brought that up, the appropriateness of it. Um, The real issue that they're trying to get at is how in this environment, in this climate, which is um, for so many of them, something they've never experienced, even come close to experience in their lifetime. And and for many of us as well, like just this, um, this shade of movement and um, the diversity of it is something that we haven't quite experienced. So um, I, I think um, you got to break it down to, to a human aspect there and say, well, um, you know, they just want to make sure that when the NBA and WNBA come back, that the tone is appropriate. And if you're given this much thought and debate to it, what you come up with on the other side is going to be quite amazing. And I think people have to keep that in mind. Um, that that's really consistent in um, humanizing people, which is a big part of what we're experiencing right now. And um, responsible discourse leading to um, powerful action. Do you also think that, uh, for whatever reason, there seems to be more of a, a, a climate to, to openly express things? And I, I get back to how the Wizards uh, responded to the, the the death of George Floyd as players and. Um, that was just, you could tell when that was released, just authentic quotes from the players. And, and while some might 
uh, you know, been initially shocked when they saw that, that that's the kind of frank discussion that probably does need to be had. And what was your reaction to that? Yeah, it was Dave, there's a, there's a, um, there's something about um, the, the relationship between athletes and owners or, or governors of these franchises as they would prefer to be called now um, that, that the NBA gets that other leagues don't. I mean, they truly do understand it's a partnership and we, um, you know, as, as the primary investors in this thing, um, we can still lead without being the big boss. Uh, the NBA has, has pretty consistently gotten this and that's why, you know, it's not about your policies. It's about the way you treat people. The NBA's policy on the national anthem was as buttoned up and stronger than anything the NFL had come up with. Why does the NBA uh, not have people who uh, wanted to protest in that moment? Because they cared about their players. Like when you, when you give voices to people, people are not going to feel voiceless. Um, and I think in, in that moment, um, the Wizards just did a really good job of like, what is it that our players want to say? Um, let's listen to them and then let's flow off of it. You know, they, they can be, we can be leaders and still allow them to lead. And I, I think that's the real power in it. And we saw like, you know, the Wizards got that part of it right when everybody was, was just so willing to, to, to say everything they could to shout down racism and make sure that they weren't connected to racism anyway. Um, some people would give you the Tiger Woods statement, you know, which was just like, uh, you know, general and non-impactful. Uh, the Wizards got really specific and, uh, um, you know, the, the Mystics as well, very, very um, pointed. Um, and, and they got it right uh, because uh, they listened to um, the people that it affects the most and they were able to use their plot platform um, in the most powerful manner. And I think too often these organizations, you know, um, as a black man, we don't want to hear uh, uh you know, it's just kind of like a, there's a line in um, the Academy Award winning song, uh, Glory, with uh, Common and John Legend. Um, and, and Common says, you know, justice for all just ain't specific enough. Um, and, and people sometimes don't understand that, you know, when, when you, um, uh, people want to talk about everybody sometimes. Well, it, it's, it's easy to, to marginalize us in that conversation. Sometimes you have to point out um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the people who, who need it the most. And, um, uh, that, that's, that's the big thing that, I, that I've gotten, you know, the ones that want to be specific, um, you can talk about police brutality and not be talking about all police. Um, you know, um, you know, the whole black lives matter, all lives matter thing is, well, it's understood, um, that all lives matter, but in this case, you know, it's the black house that is burning. Um, so, so some compassion there. Again, it comes back to this idea. It is a issue of dehumanization. You know, let's strip away all this other stuff because um, institutions and symbols get in the way for everybody. Um, you know, so let's, let's not talk about the flag. Let's not talk about the institution of the police. Um, let's not talk about any of that stuff. Let's just talk about humanity. This is a moral issue. You can politicize it, but this is a moral issue. And 
the closer you have a connection to these young players, um, the better you are going to be at striking that tone because they get it and their lives, in some ways, youth kind of detangles complication. And um, I think that's just been a powerful thing that uh, most of the entire NBA has done, um, but that, um, you know, the Wizards organization, the Mystics organization got what got exactly right. If, if the NBA and the WNBA are able to return, uh, that continues the conversation just because they're able to, re- to return. And, and that's an important part uh, of moving forward. Or, or how do you see that? Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's huge. You know, I, I think it would be a, an incredible boost to the movement um, if the leagues can get back, especially when you're talking about it in mean, the NBA wants to come back on July 30th. Um, people aren't going to be marching in the streets, you know, for six more, five more, six more weeks. Um, there's going to be need to be um, waves of inspiration. And I just, anyone who watched the the ESPYs and, and saw what they did, I, I thought that was, uh, that was powerful in a lot of ways. And it was also, um, you, were, you were inundated with it. Um, uh, but, you know, if you if you watched uh, Dave Chappelle's um, 846 stand up, um, that was a powerful way in which you're able to um, an entertainer was able to tie the message and, and use his platform uh, in a ba- very powerful way. Ultimately, it's still going to be about basketball. But um, uh, somebody, um, you, know, you know, I did I did a radio show in, in Salt Lake City and um, you know, the host was kind of worried about, you know, well, can the NBA be doing too much trying to tie this movement into its comeback? And uh, I just said, look, it's not like LeBron James is going to be on a breakaway dunk and um, hang in the air for an extra 10 seconds for just a little PSA on Black Lives Matter. He's going to play basketball and they're going to play basketball hard for 48 minutes. Um, but it's just the messaging around the game. What happens before the game? Does something happen after the game? What happens at halftime? Uh, the, the, uh, um, we're not in arenas. You know, we're essentially going to be in what is uh, a basketball stage for television. Um, there are some amazing things you can do in terms of messaging, you know, kind of understanding that the game is going to be shot differently. Um, so. Uh, I think you're still going to be inundated with it, but it's still going to be basketball, you know, and, and it's not like, um, it's not like uh, um, Kawhi Leonard is not going to block this white guy's shot <laughs> or, or block the, you know, or, or play harder um, because he's trying to make some statement of, of equality. Um, so I think uh, uh, people kind of have to realize that it's, it, to me, it's kind of like, um, you know, the responsible way as, you want us to come back, but this is what's on our hearts. Um, so you're going to have to look at our hearts while we play. And uh, um, I mean, there, there's some powerful things that I think can be done um, while you're still watching basketball. And if people are turned off about that, um, morally, you have to ask the question of, do we really want these people as our fans? Hard financial question to ask. It's easy for me to ask that because I'm not looking at the books. But morally, do you really want these people to be your fans if they have that much of a problem that your players um, are crying about, you know, senseless death?
No, that's powerful. I mean, I think that would be a good question to uh, address to NASCAR. <laughs> you know, do you want do you you want who who do you want your fan base to be? And they've been trying yeah. to market to different um, you know demographics as well. So it, it's pretty interesting. So I, I know you went back to Seattle, which greatly disappointed me, Jerry. I mean, you moved <laughs> back. Um, I loved when, when you were around, and you know, there's always lists. There's always they, everybody's got the list of you know who's the best this and who's the best that. I have to ask you this because I know you're a Seattle guy, okay? Okay. You ready? You sitting down for this? I'm sitting down. Okay. Is Gus John's is Gus Williams and downtown Freddie Brown the most underrated backcourt ever in the history of the NBA? <laughs> Uh, yes, I think they would be right. Up I there. knew you'd and, answer it and, that way. And if you ask them, they would say we are unequivocally the most <laughs> underrated. They I were mean, good though. I just, I had to make it a little light. I had to make it a little light. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like how my career, um, when, when Wes Unseld, uh, passed, I wrote a column about it. Um, just how, how much of my life has been kind of, um, you know, following in his footsteps, you know, you know, growing up in Kentucky, um, having a dad from Louisville, you know, understanding them that way, all the way to, um, you know, coming to Seattle. And uh, that's one of the first things you would hear, man, like, you know, it was just like, I felt like I was back in 1978, 1979, the battles uh, between the Bullets and the Supersonics, and kind of hearing the Seattle side of that, and then uh, you know, moving to DC and, 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 and hearing um, the DC side of that, and, and then just kind of understanding um, what a giant figure and what a play the right way figure Wes Unseld was. Um, just one of the, um, if you love stats, it, it, some of his, some of his stats are just kind of mind boggling and, but not in a Wilt Chamberlain type of way, right? Not in a 50 points, 25 rebounds a game type of way in a, in a, like you had one season um, where you averaged, more points than rebounds and you were one of the 50 greatest players of all time you had one year where you had more offensive rebounds than you had missed shots um uh you 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 could be a finals mvp without really really being like a true score um yet when the time came for you to score if they needed you to get 20 you get 20 um it, it's just it, it's one of the one of the most remarkable lessons in, in basketball history. You know, I think there are three, <clears throat> there are three guys um, that, that I consider um, the best at impacting the game. And you don't have to look at what their point total was Bill Russell, number one. And obviously Bill Russell could score better than the other three, but I mean, Bill Russell, uh, his claim to fame as potentially uh, you know, definitely a GOAT candidate is uh, about defense and leadership and winning. Um, and then you look at uh, Dennis Rodman and Wes Unseld have to be on that list. You know, when, when you said, did they, when you looked at those three in particular, um, these guys were superstar players. But when you said, did they have a good game? You did not look at the point total first. Um, and it just kind of teaches you just, uh, so much about basketball, just thinking about the impact that, that they had. 
And as I, I said, it's a good thing that Wes Unseld's basketball resume spoke for itself because he was never going to talk about himself. He, he may have been the most <laughs> understated guy ever. And that you talk about that stats, he averaged close to four assists a game for his career. And this is not in the era when centers were point guards. So that's another stat that was, that was pretty crazy. We're almost out of time, but just final uh, thoughts, Jerry, is uh, give us an idea what we could look forward to coming up from you in the Washington Post. I know you've been, you've been talking to, to John Wall. What, the final couple of minutes, what, what's coming up for Jerry Brewer? Yes, I have a, a wonderful piece um, looking back at uh, the past uh, 10 years. I mean, this week um, is the 10-year anniversary of John Wall being drafted number one overall. Uh, it's incredible all that he has been through and how much his life has changed in so many ways. Uh, I think we during this time, I think you, you, you started to realize um, just how important um, he is socially um, to DC, just the fact that, um, you know, uh, you know, he found his voice very early on and he's just been incredibly good in terms of philanthropy and, and, and other things for the city. And, um, you know, now that Bradley Beal is really finding his legs in that area, um, you really got to respect the duo that way. I mean, I think we we uh, we focus so much on what's happened on on the floor, um, which can be polarizing. Obviously, um, they've had their moments. They couldn't stretch it as great as possibly it could be, and then now, you know, they're fighting to get back to where they were, um, kind of you know in the prime, maybe for Bradley in the in the pre prime of his career. Um, and I think we're so focused on that. Where are they headed um, as a franchise in terms of winning? But here. Are, are two young men who, um, in everything they've done, they're just all about D.C. And, hmm. um, you know, amazing. I mean, it, it, it's amazing to reflect upon, especially during this time in which um, we're lacking connection because we're so isolated from each other. Hmm. And it just makes me really respect them, just, uh, um, you know, all that they have tried to do. I think about John winning the NBA Community Assist Award or a couple of years ago, you could argue they're the best backcourt in the NBA on and off the court, but that would uh, start another debate because they do so much for the community and selfless. As we were just talking about Wes Sunseld, he was very much that way. Well, we are out of time on this edition of Full Court Press. Jerry Brewer, even with the Seattle Mariners cap on, we can't thank you enough. For, <laughs> for, hey, it, for, matches, it matches the, the, this color that I'm wearing today, so it was perfect. Well, Anything looked, to hide the COVID hair. There we go. Well, it looks good on you. Listen, Jerry, we'll look forward to reading your piece on, on uh, John Wall. And as always, look forward to uh, your perspective in, in the Washington Post. And people can read on WashingtonPost.com. Jerry, thanks so much for your time today. Oh, anytime. Thank you, guys. All right. To Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post and joining us today on this edition of Full Court Press.